Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Hey, how are you guys? Awesome. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for coming tonight. Um, I heard that we had people who drove here from a really long ways away just to be here tonight. And we are just so honored that you guys would drive a long ways to come and be here to see me. I'm just kidding. No, we're really thankful that you guys are here, wherever you came from, and we're happy that you're here tonight. We're really excited and we're really expectant about what God's going to do tonight and what we're going to hear tonight through um, the guy who's going to be bringing the word. He's the guy that over the years has uh, he's become a, a real part of our family here at this church, and and every year as the as the cold starts to go and the warm starts to come, we start looking forward to the time that Dan will start rolling into town and spend a weekend with us and and it's it's just it's become another season of our lives it's become another marker post in where we are in the year and something we really look forward to but um but he's a guy who um who says things and you think why why didn't I ever say that why has no one ever told me that it's right there it's right in front of me and um and so I'm I'm excited for all of you guys that are going to get to hear him tonight would you guys just join me in welcoming Dan as he comes and brings the word Good to see everybody. Yeah, I just drove in today. It was a fun drive. It was about eight and a half, eight hours and 40 minutes, I think it took me. I don't speed, though, so I keep Jesus in the car with me. (laughs) I have a friend that really speeds. He really speeds. So I tease him. I I look out my window and say, Holy Spirit, are you okay up there? (laughs) Oh, no. I figure he's up there holding on to the luggage rack. I said, he ain't coming in here. Let's <laughs> have fun with it. Okay, man, good to see you guys. That was a fun time. Amen. Uh, I appreciate everywhere I go, some folks come popping up and say, hey, I've been listening to you on the internet. It's, it's funny, I'm all over that YouTube thing, ain't I? And... Uh, People really listen. They're getting a lot out of it. So I'm thankful for that. And uh, I want to encourage you to keep on listening if you're getting something out of it. And don't just listen. Let that gospel cause you to become something. Amen? Amen. Your life being changed is what's going to really, really matter. Okay? We can sit and talk about doctrine all day and get an agreement or a disagreement. But I'm telling you, your life changed is what speaks. Your life changed. You know, I've... I was young, and people called the called the the gospel the great confession. Did you ever hear that? And I think it's the great expression. Jesus paid a price for you to become something, and uh, I feel happy in my heart, but I feel a little serious at the same time. So I think I'm going to have to go with the serious because it won't leave me alone. So I'll smile while I'm serious. No, seriously, there's there's seriously <laughs> there's. Uh, there's something good in the room. The worship was amazing. I can see excitement in people's hearts. I met some visitors, a whole handful, a row, a couple from Ohio, and the whole row over here, and then a couple other individual people came up, and they all said they were here, and they watch a lot on YouTube. And I'm, Man, I'm blessed by that. I'm, I'm touched by that, that you're hungry, and, and that you're listening, that you're becoming something through the Word. So uh, as I'm standing here, we're praying and, and worshiping. I mean, and I'm praying, and I'm like, God, you know, every night's special. I feel like this thing's burning in my heart all the time that I'm preaching. And, 
And the serious thing came on me a little bit and uh, scared me a little. Uh, it's not corrective, it's just serious. Okay. Ugh. I want you to know everything I say tonight, I can just tell where we're going and I don't really know the details. Some of it came in my heart. It's all good. Nothing's corrective. Nothing's bad. It's all good. God fathers us. He shows us who we are and who we're called to be and what we're created for and what we're called to. So so keep your heart open tonight, okay? Because I feel like the house is encouraged and I feel like the Lord wants it to stay that way. And I I really believe we, we can grow into something we've never been before if we'll keep looking to Him and won't look back. I feel like there's very few of us that ever just stayed in faith consistent enough, long enough, and kept our heart in truth long enough to become what grace wants to make us. And as soon as we start getting there, people around us say, well, you can't really live that way. Well, it can't really be that well. You know, that's kind of denial. Well, it can't always be. And there's a language that rises up that seems right. And it's designed to stop truth and stop what's possible. And it seems right. And where the voice comes from, it comes from human experience. It comes from past practice. It comes from the way we've all been. So as soon as we start manifesting something a little different than what we've all been, we get a little stranged out by it and wonder if that's really possible. But the truth is, the life we have is new life. Like old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're renewed in the spirit of our mind. If you study that, it means you're thinking like you've never thought before. So if you're thinking like you've never thought before, that changes things and that makes you different. And I want to encourage every one of you to not back out of what God is calling us all into as a people in a body. And it's happening all around, I promise you. This thing, Roy and I were just talking. He said, do you think this identity thing is sticking in? And I said, man, the identity thing is, is, is really happening. This thing that's right now on my heart is, it's the step past identity. Knowing who you are, knowing who Christ paid for you to be, and knowing who you are in the eyes of God, and knowing that God loves you, that is wonderful. That's a first step, foundational truth that we all have to grow in, but it's with a purpose. Our goal isn't to be loved by God. Our goal is to become the love of God. You follow me? Come on, our goal is not just to get a need met. Our goal is to have a transformed life. Our goal is not to just have better circumstances. Our goal is to be different than we've ever been. There's a step past where a lot of the preaching is right now, and, 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 and I'm glad for where the preaching is right now, and I preach my share of identity. I'm standing over here and I'm feeling like, man, the Scripture, I looked it up, it's in Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes, they spoil the, the fruit of the vine. Little foxes. What's a little fox? In, in our lives, you can interpret that. Anything that comes in and, and nips you and keeps you, nips off the bud, nips off the branch, nip, keeps you from becoming 
everything grace is telling you you can be. Living what's possible. And I'm just going to tell you straight up without being super hypo-spiritual, it's beyond what we've seen. It's beyond what we've understood. It's beyond the life we've known. It's His life in us. It's a different life. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of these things and some of these stumbling blocks that can come and some of these little roadblocks that can come. I don't think the Lord would have me talk this if, if, if you couldn't hear it. This isn't a message that He, he would speak if you couldn't hear it. There's messages he won't speak because people can't hear it yet. This is one of those messages, if, I, if it's in my heart like it's in my heart, it's because you can hear it. And I'm encouraging you to start living by faith like never before and never looking back. Become that person he paid for you to become. I, I promise you, it's possible to live without offense. It's possible to live without ever being discouraged once truth settles in your heart. It's possible to not take people personal and live in judgments and projections and presumptions. It's very possible. Jesus lived that way. He is that way. He was that way and He is that way. He said, follow me. He said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. You keep your eyes on truth. You want to keep your heart really guarded. Out of your heart flows the issues of life. You can have a tremendous gifting. God can be using you and you just interpret something a little wrong. Take something just a little personal. Just view something through the flesh or through natural wisdom and things get a taint to it and a slant to it. And all of a sudden your motive for doing what you're doing might not be pure like it used to be pure. Stuff like that happens all the time. And you see things go like this, and then they go like this. And I know a lot of people's lives tend to go like that. And I'm telling you, our lives can just go like that into Him. You can get alone and you can settle that... Here's a good one. You can just get alone and just settle. Nobody owes me a thing in this life. Nobody owes me nothing. You just settle on a thought like that and just camp there for a while and start reading through your Bible at what love looks like and look at Jesus' life and think about that. And I know we got to lock arms and we're an army rising up and we got to run together and together we'll touch the earth with His glory. Thanks. But, but, but you got to settle things in your heart. Nobody owes me a thing. What if you actually start believing that? The Bible says trust in no flesh. Wonder if you're not finding your identity, your fulfillment, or your inspiration through others. You're finding it through truth so you can be the best to others. So many of us are trapped in a place where our hearts are so sincere. We love Jesus the best we understand Him. Man, we thank Him. He forgave us of our sins. We look in the mirror and we're glad He loves us. And, 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 and then these things pop in where, where they don't go the way they should. People do things they should never do. People say things they should never say. And because it's... It's so obvious that it should never happen. It affects us a certain way. Are you guys with me? It's a natural knowledge. It's a natural response, but it's not a Jesus response. And I keep feeling this in my heart as I'm standing here. It's a little different for me tonight, whatever we're doing. <laughs> I feel like I'm really listening because I'm not even sure, but man, I can't get rid of this intensity in my heart. Discouragement, disappointment. Who knows what that is? 
I'm telling you, I'm not even asking you this question. I'm telling you it's possible to live free from those things. And Jesus wants you to, and it's important to, and if you don't, it's going to be hard to fulfill what He called us to do. Not everybody's going to appreciate your life. Not everybody's going to see you clear. Not everybody's going to say the greatest thing about you. Not everybody's going to even understand your faith. You follow me? Men will mock and scoff at what they don't understand. If you're not secure, if you don't get past yourself, if you don't make this thing all about the kingdom, you'll be moved by some of that stuff. And uh, discouragement is something as a pastor, as a, as a man very involved in people's lives, I've seen it's become common. We think it's normal. And it's not in heaven. And heaven's in you. Yeah? Come on, I want you to be, be, be really open with me here. Don't shut me down. Don't struggle with this. Discouragement isn't even scriptural. It's actually unscriptural to live discouraged. It's, 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 it's outside of love. Love doesn't think for itself. If you're discouraged, all you're thinking about is you and how whatever's affecting you, what it caused, what it created, and how you're going to get through, and this is overwhelming. Oh God, please help. And that's a line of Christian thought that we think is healthy, and it's not. You can't even pray from faith in a place of discouragement. You pray from despair and need and self-focus and consciousness. You guys with me? For some reason, the word discouragement just keeps coming to me, so I'm just sitting on it a little bit. There's some other things. Uh, nobody owing me anything is the big one. That one's shouting at me loud. You guys know what I mean by that? Like you wake up in the morning and you settle in your heart. Nobody owes me a thing. My life's content in Christ. I'm fulfilled in Him. And my goal is to just love today. Nobody owes me anything. Nobody can make me or break me. I'm already made. Can't be broken. Nobody owes me a thing. That's the most powerful place you could possibly live. Like it's a very untouchable place. Okay? Like I'm talking to married people. Nobody owes me a thing. I wonder if you bring that into your marriage. And all you do is love. I wonder if you don't need. I wonder if you love. <laughs> the two aren't the same. I know this is very different. Some of you watch me all the time and you've seen me a lot. This is probably different. Just bear with me. I think this is a step beyond where we've been tonight. And I think God's given me grace to try to establish something so we challenge emotions and feelings that we think are normal that never came from God in the first place. Amen. I've had Christians tell me, you ever have a Christian say, well, Roy, I have emotions. God gave us emotions. Do you ever hear anybody say that? Yeah? So you've heard somebody say that before. Watch this. God did not give you the emotions you grew up with. Adam gave you those. God did not give them to you. They're perverted. They're twisted. They're self-centered. They have a self-focus. All your emotions from the time you can remember float out of the wellspring of self-centered living. You were angry before you could speak English. You let somebody take your binky and you ain't ready to give it up. No, no, be real with me. Get real with me. Don't turn me off. I feel a couple people struggling with the way I'm coming across. Please bear with me. 
I'm trying to help us here tonight. You, you, you were angry before you could talk English. You're telling me God made us that way? No, we were formed in iniquity in our mother's womb. Read your Bible. We were born into Adam and you must be born again. Somehow the church, we made born again some experience that takes me to heaven someday instead of heaven coming back into me and changing my life. And all of a sudden I qualified and I'm in the book and I get to go to heaven someday instead of transformation. So people, when you talk about not being offended, not being hurt, not being brokenhearted, they try to throw it away and they yell butt themselves around the message and assure they'll never be changed. Because they're letting natural human experience speak louder than truth and the ability of grace to change your life. You guys with me? So if we were born into Adam and we must be born again, then what we were born into wasn't what God intended or created. So God never made us that way. We became that way through the fall, through separation from God. So when Adam got cut off from love, he became self-centered and in need of love. So every man was born into the need of love. That's why we needed each other so terribly bad, a messy thing. It was a messy bad. Like that's caused a lot of problems on the earth. I need you rather than I love you. It, it, it's camouflaged like this. I love you, you love me. That's the camouflage. All you're saying is I love you for me. I love you for how you make me feel, what you do for me. Don't ever change. You'll break my heart. I need you to make me who I am. There's only one that does that. And from that healthy place you love. From that healthy place you have covenant. From that healthy place you have marriage and relationship. Or it's just 50-50 and tit for tat and he said, she said, and I feel because she will, he shouldn't, and I wouldn't. And everybody loses because we're not like him. One of the biggest lies I hear is, well, God made us this way. Well, God gave me emotions, not the ones you were up with, he didn't. I promise you, don't give him credit for those. Those emotions have not been good for any of us. Reactionary, fretting, fearful. It's all self-intended. It's all self. Just the fear, just survival instinct. You got to understand, Adam got cut off. Now Jesus grafted us back in. He is the vine, we're the branches. We're grafted back in. Where's the fruit grow? On the branch. And this the Father's well pleased that you bear much. And when you bear much fruit, He's going to prune you and you're going to bear even more. So he's really into fruitfulness. Yeah? (laughs) It's just good, guys. But if you don't understand and think the emotions you grew up with are normal, normal, (laughs) they're not. They're perverted. Because they have everything to do with yourself. They're all about you. When you have two little toddlers, they can barely speak. The moms are Christian. They're great Christian women. They're sitting sipping tea on a cold morning if that happens in South Carolina now and then, right? Cool. Just sipping tea. Kids are playing. They both have their own little toy. They just... Ain't they so precious though? Right? Little gifts from God. 
They're going to need born again someday, but they're little gifts. I love kids. It's ridiculous how much I love kids. They're sitting there playing, and there's a little plastic toy nobody's paying attention to until the one lays this one down and picks that up. And this one goes. And now they're fighting over the same toy. (laughs) (laughs) Who taught them that? You think God made that? God didn't make that. That's the fall of man. One of the biggest lies, one of the biggest traps of our Christian life is believing the way we were before we were born again is anywhere near normal. And incorporating Jesus into what we were instead of becoming becoming something new. If any man be in Christ, He's a new creation. Guys, if this isn't true, how are you going to run the race till the end worthy in a manner worthy? How are we going to win the prize and finish the goal? And Come on. How are, you going to, how are you going to do it? Watch. Unless you love less. Your mother and father, pretty important folks. Unless you love less. You can't be a Christian for everybody's well-being around you. You're a Christian to become like Him. In the long run, that'll be for everybody's well-being. Unless you love less, mom, dad, spouse, children, houses, land, and yes, your own life, you'll by no means be my disciple. It's Scripture. Love less. That means unless you see what you're in this for and put everything else in its proper perspective, sentiment, empathy, and natural affections, feelings, and emotions are going to get in the way of you becoming everything you're created to be. And somehow you get tricked into being a Christian thinking you're a Christian for God to protect everything that you're concerned about. And if that's your theology, there's a lot of discouraged Christians that are going to go to church tomorrow because that's their theology. There's people that have lost a loved one, tragically. And the mystery behind it, and the why God, and the how, and how come you, all of a sudden they have no relationship this way because of this. It's a dead giveaway that you're not seeing this thing for the way it really is because there's a way bigger picture here. You're living for a moment, a day in time where you're going to stand before Him. You get what I'm saying? And you can't get sentimentally snared. You can't get into people issues. You just can't get into people issues. You just can't get into work stuff and just say, well, she shouldn't have. Well, I don't know why he. Well, you ought to work for my boss once. You, you can't go there. Like, Jesus doesn't feel that way about any of those people. He hung there and died for them while they were as lost as could be. You just can't go there. It's rational thinking. It's detrimental to our lives and our increase. Are you guys with me? Come on. Attitudes. Dime a dozen. Opinions. People tell somebody off at work and come home with their chest puffed and feel like there's somebody because they told somebody off and gave them a piece of their mind. Oh, you see how shallow that is? Now the world's a better place. Okay, you told somebody off. Woohoo! Hot shot. Come on, it's terrible. I, I grew up in city schools. It was all about that, mouthing each other off. Getting one up. Bringing in your mom. Your mom. Woo! I mean, just... 
all trying to get over on each other to be just a little better than each other because we're all trying to be somebody because outside of Him we're nobody. So we all have this desire, this, this drive to be somebody. you got to make sure it's not the wrong desire. you got to make sure it's not the wrong be somebody, the wrong somebody. What's it matter if everybody thinks you're amazing if your life's not portraying Him? Wonder if you're not walking in love. Wonder if you have more money than you could ever. And Wonder if you have a talent that everybody just thinks you're amazing and you can't walk in love and you're full of pride and you're judgmental. What, what do you have? you got temporal esteem. And you only made it in the eyes of the people that think you're cool. And it's just a dog thing, dog-eat-dog thing, the whole time. I read Philippians 2, you know what it says? It says, have this same mind in you that was in Him. Who even though He was considered equal with God, didn't consider it something to be held on to and acknowledged for, but He humbled Himself and made Himself of no reputation. Be honest, we've all sought reputation. He made Himself of none. Guys, he came through the womb of a woman. He didn't come with a loud thundering voice and myriads of angels ushering him in through heaven and 30 years old ready for ministry on a red carpet from the throne. Holy Spirit planted him inside of a little girl who gave him, who gave birth to him through her birth canal like us. And he laid down his glory and his reputation. He was born in a manger, guys. He came in on a donkey, not a big white stallion. He said, follow me. Man, what a twist out there. Everybody trying to be somebody apart from him. You think about this. From the time you're old enough to remember, life was fashioning you. I don't care how in control you believe you are, how hard-hearted you allow your heart to become, how angry you get, how hmm, how whatever. You do all that to the T. Watch this. From the time you were born till now, you're nothing more than a product of how you responded to how life came. You're not even your own person. You're a product of life. And if it's outside of him, that's tragic. People say, well, I'm this way because you don't know what I've been through. And I've been through this and that. So you're letting the thing you despise dictate your outcome. I've heard people talk like this my whole Christian life. I used to understand none of it. I was trapped in the middle of it. (laughs) And one day I got born again. And finally got free. The day I got free is when I stopped thinking about me and living for me. Never asked to preach. I never asked to do this stuff. I never asked to pastor. My church asked me to pastor. I was just a warehouse worker in love with Jesus, but my life changed. My coworkers wanted to know what happened. They called me aside. One man, spokesman, pulled me into the bathroom and wanted to know what happened to me. Four days after I got saved, he's already asking. I said, what could you see in four days that you're asking me what happened to me? What do you mean? Oh, come on, you're so different. See, I'm excited. Born again means you're changed. You're different. You didn't confess Him. You're becoming something. 
You know what he said to me? He said, you're so polite, it makes me sick. Because we learn to live mean. We learn to live angry. Whether we're mean or not, we live a certain way. Whether we're outwardly mean, we live a certain way. (laughs) All of us can relate to what I'm saying. There's just a certain uh, down inside that just needs to get out of all of us. And Jesus wants to do that. But I changed, so polite came on me, and they saw it as polite. I'm thinking, no. I woke up every day and realized I I wasn't alive for me. I was making myself of no reputation. Do you know Jesus did only ever did good? Do you know that, right? Do you know that he was mistreated terribly? You guys get that? Did he ever let that decide how he was? Did he ever let that decide who he was? Did you ever do something really good from your heart and it was taken as something not so good? Really ticked you off, didn't it? Be honest. When it flared up the most is when you intended well and it wasn't spoken well of. Which means you're drawing from doing well. You're getting as much out of it for you or more than you are doing the good for Do you ever have somebody buy a gift for somebody and they didn't like the gift and the person that bought the gift's crying because the person they bought it for, they didn't like the color? And they said, I went out of my way. I thought you liked that color. And they're crying because they didn't like the gift they bought them. Did you ever see that scenario play out? So who do you think they bought the gift for? Their friend or themselves to feel good about their friend gloating and doting over them. Come on, if you bought the gift for your friend, why are you crying? If they don't like the color, you ought to be glad they're honest and go get them the color they like. Come on, let's just get real. Is it okay if we get real? Or are we just going to play charades and sing to Jesus? We're not going to do that, right? No, we're going to get real. Listen, there's people that's got all these kind of motives going on. I'm not saying you. I'm saying don't ever let it be you. Man, let your heart be pure. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Don't be doing nothing to be noticed by men. See what I'm saying? You go to work, man. Just believe that you're in there to shine. You have a sphere of influence. It's never about your boss treating you right. It's about you becoming like Jesus. Does that make you a doormat? Jesus wasn't a doormat. He's amazing. He's a living epistle of love. Look, anybody can cop an attitude. Who's ready to walk in love? Actually, anybody can be right. What's that produce? He wasn't even right. He was righteous. Do you know the difference? When you're right, somebody's wrong. When you're righteous, you position everybody to be made right. If I see a room from the position of being right, I'll pick out everything that's wrong. But if I see a room in righteousness, I position everybody for destiny, purpose, and potential. It's not about what you're doing wrong. It's about what's possible. He judges the world in righteousness. He gives us a chance to become everything we're created to be. I'm here to really stir and challenge your heart. Not to be a Christian and come to church and, and get so close to God and so believe God in so many ways and then let your emotional life be what it used to. I'm telling you, he wants that thing changed. He doesn't want you trapped in a sensual world, 
singing, living by the Spirit. So if we're living by the Spirit, then we're living by the Spirit. I'll just talk about it just for a little bit. Because the sensual world, do you understand that's what a lot of ministries are set up to help? To help people that are struggling, but it's essentially focused ministry. So you're only as good as you're feeling. So they're trying to minister to you till you feel better. It's a trap. It keeps you sensual. And you never can connect with truth. (laughs) We get the idea that I'm not doing good unless I'm feeling good. You're not doing good unless you're believing good. Belief's going to change your reality. Do you know how John and Paul write and say these phrases a lot? Knowing. Don't you know? Do you not know? Knowing. Those phrases are all through your New Testament Bible. I could quote a few if you need me to. There's a handful in Romans. They're in the epistles of John. Knowing. To know. As you continue in truth and you believe in God, say you wake up in the morning to work, to go to work. Let me paint two Christian scenarios. Wow, I can't believe it's 6 o'clock already. I wished I didn't wake up at 3. Man, when I get my sleep broken, I'm never that good in the morning. God, I really need Your grace. Man, another day. Lord, I don't know how long i got to work here. I was hoping to get that job over across town. The hours are way better. In fact, I'm not sure why I didn't get that job yet, especially the way this boss in here is treating me. I don't know how much longer I can take it, God. I really need your favor to get that other job because this is really tough on me. That's a normal conversation between a lot of Christians and the Lord. (laughs) That's like, that's not even prayer. Okay, (laughs) Okay, that's way off focus. Are you guys okay or does this sound too harsh? Let me show you what Christian prayer looks like. Wow, Father, six o'clock, sure wasn't ready to get up yet. You know, when I wake up at three, get my sleep broke, feels like it's a challenge, but I thank you, your grace is greater. Man, I'd love to get that job across town, but until then, I thank you, I can shine on this one. And God, I don't know what's going on with my boss, but something's bothering him. I don't know if something's hurting him. I don't know what he's going through in his personal life. But man, thank you that you've taught me to not take him personal. I really care about that man. And I just believe if he really knew you, he wouldn't be living that way. And I'm asking you to minister to him somehow through my life today. And God, let the light that's in me shine in a way that he would be encouraged and helped in some powerful, awesome way. God, I'd really like that job on the other side of town. But while I'm here, Let my life make a difference and let it have impact. Thanks for the grace for today. Really love you, Jesus. You get it? That's a whole different mindset than complaining and thinking for yourself. Okay? Here's another step we're going to take. I can show you two places. I can show you three places in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 10... Philippians 2. Let's see. That's, that's two. There's three. The other one just, just slipped me. This completely unscriptural. 
I'm going to talk. Can I talk rigid and raw tonight? Are you okay? Completely unscriptural for a Christian to complain. It's a dead giveaway that you're still in it for you. It's, it, it, I'm just bringing it straight, okay? I'm not soft pedal enough. I'm just straight. It, don't be condemned by it. Be challenged and inspired. It's unscriptural to complain as a Christian. Scripture tells you to never do it. It's a dead giveaway that it's about you. You're setting yourself up for adversity, for, for strategic stuff, demonic stuff. 2 Corinthians 10 says, you have all these things written that they did as your admonishment so you don't make the same mistakes they did. He's talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he says, don't you ever complain like they complained or you'll be destroyed by the destroyer like they were. You'll be devoured by the one that devours. Complaining is a dead giveaway. If you're complaining, what's your motive? You're not happy with something. Something frustrates you. Something ain't good enough. Somebody didn't do something right. Just imagine if God was a complainer. See, I always like to take the things that challenge my life and flip it and try to find it in Him. An attitude. If I can't find an attitude in God that I had in me, I don't want it in me. Here's a good one. When Jesus is on the cross, He's ready to go on the cross. Listen, He's never done anything wrong. He's always done everything right. Everything He did was totally good. Do you guys agree? That He was 100% pure and holy in everything He did? All He did was heal some folks. He multiplied some food. He's here in the flesh. He's God and He's here in a body. That says a lot. He must think a lot of us. See, preacher after preacher always made it about me sinning. No, He's here to redeem the real me. He's here to pay for something He thinks has value. My life changed has value to Him. My life apart from Him doesn't have value. That's lost. My life changed is worth His blood to Him. Come on. This is not a prayer to go to heaven. It's heaven coming into you. Let's not get religious. This thing is not about just doing church. It's becoming her. Yeah? So, so, so here would be us if we were Jesus. Well, first of all, it's a silly thought because we'd have never made it to the cross. Guys are complaining. They're walking. They're deciding who's the greatest among them. They want to know if they could sit at his right and his left. John the Baptist has a revelation. He's the Christ. Now he's in prison. He's sending disciples to ask a question he already knows the answer to. Why is John sending him? Because he's offended. He's in prison. If you're so great, why am I in here? Are you the one? He said, go tell John what you see and hear. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking, and the poor of the gospel preaching. Blessed is the man who's not offended because of me. Why? He was offended. He looked at his personal life, his personal circumstances, and asked a question he already knew the answer to. Challenged Jesus through his personal life. Jesus turns to the crowd and esteems John and calls him the greatest prophet, and then says, any of us in the kingdom... The least of us is going to be greater than he. Talking about new covenant living. There's a lot more to preach there, but do you follow what happened to John? 
At the Last Supper, they're all saying they're going to die for him, and they all scooted, man. Come on, that's an offended minister. You put Jesus in our shoes. That's another hurting pastor. I laid down my life for him, and when I needed him most, nobody was there for me. I don't know why I laid down my life for this church pastor. It'd be great if it wasn't for the people. Come on. So Jesus does nothing but good. And now he's beat. Come on. You do wrong and don't like nobody beating on you. <laughs> he did right. They beat on him. The Bible says beyond description. Disfigured him and marred him beyond recognition. That's a pretty heavy whooping. You're going to beat a man and can't tell who he is. He took a pretty good shot a few times, huh? For doing nothing but right. Now that, in our old mentality, would give us so many rights to have a right. You get what I'm saying? And we got to throw it away because we can't find it in Jesus. The best love could say is forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Does that make him a pacifist and a pushover? Look, nobody saw the scripture in their Bible where he was heading halfway up to Golgotha and got analytical and said, wait a minute, what am I doing? These people don't appreciate me. I've done nothing but good. I've healed their sick. I've fed their bellies. I've raised their dead. Barabbas, they had Barabbas released instead. Barabbas kills a man, I raise the dead. He causes conspiracy, I come to bring peace. This is crazy. Hit me again and again for doing nothing but good? I'll tell you, Lord, if they hit me one more time, I ain't dying on that cross. If they didn't change by now, they ain't never going to change. What do we see in them anyway? Come on. Can you find any of that in Jesus? Because it's not there. So if it's not there, he didn't teach us that, did he? He's a good teacher. He said, call no man on earth your teacher, or no one on earth your teacher. You have one teacher. He's the Christ. That means anything you taught outside of me, throw it away. It's not truth. So who taught us to feel the opposite of what he is? The fall of man. Every man for himself. Don't you forget this, church. The first prerequisite for born again is not praying a prayer to go to heaven and it's not asking Jesus into your heart. We came up with that. It's deny yourself. Do you understand you can live in America and be so deceived to become a Christian for your own well-being instead of his great name? Do you understand that? Do you understand it's easy to be a Christian in America and go to church and be a Christian for your own well-being and never get challenged in your whole Christian life in a lot of circles? You're not a Christian for your own well-being. You're a Christian for new life. You're not a Christian for well-being. You're a Christian to shine. Not well-being. I want well-being for all of us. wonder if things aren't all well. He's the same. Love's the same. So make sure you shine. Yeah? I wonder if somebody treats me wrong. 
Well, don't make them Lord and let them govern your life. Let Jesus already have you settled. Why would you let what one man does dictate your life when what one man did already settled it? Yeah? You say, well, I wouldn't feel this way if it wasn't for, well, whatever you're pointing to isn't Lord. Don't let it rule your life. They're all excuses. They're justifications for the flesh to stay alive and it's supposed to be dead. Look, if any man, that means we're all invited. If any man come after me, let him first what? Deny Deny himself. Why? You were never made for you. I preach it all the time. It's right there in your Bible, guys. You were never made for you. You were made for his image. So let's live for his image and live for his glory and not let these little foxes spoil the fruit of the vine. Complaining. Uh, you should have felt the rumble in my heart when I say complaining is unscriptural. The room rumbled. I could feel it in my heart. I'm like, Ooh. Don't get condemned by it. Listen, complaining is a dead giveaway. It just means you're on the earth for you at some level and you need to adjust that or you're a sitting target. You're making yourself vulnerable. They come out of their tents. They find reasons to complain. In the Old Testament, they forgot why they were here. Okay, in the Old Testament, Carl, you know this. God singled out some folks called the Israelites. He made them the first lump, the chosen people. Right? The first fruits people. Right? They were, that's who he came for, the house of Israel when he came. True? Why did he single them out? Is he a favoritism kind of God? No. He's pointing back to what was lost, back to the beginning. Why did he make Adam? For his image, to shine his image and reveal his glory. Why did he pull the children of Israel out? So the nations of the earth, through them, would know his great name. What did he want the people of Israel to do? Reveal who he was to the world. What's Christianity all about? Revealing who he is to the world. Guys, we can sing the greatest songs. We can actually feel fuzzy during worship and get goosebumps and cry. But if we aren't making him known to the world without straining and trying just because we're changed, we're just changed. If we're not making him known to the world, we're going to miss the point of why he's inside of us. He is not in you so you have a better day today. He's in you so you shine in your day, no matter how it turns out. Yeah, that would be called following him. Picking up your... If you don't deny yourself, you'll never pick up your cross. What's pick up your cross? Taxi through life and don't let life decide who you are because life's already settled in Him. Don't let the things you're going through determine how you're doing or how well you're doing or how well you're going to do. That's already settled by Him. You've got alone when nobody was looking and you settled some of this stuff in prayer and you recognized I'm not on the earth for me. I'm not alive for me. Nobody owes me a thing. I'm alive for the image of God. Let's get it on. I tell the stories of terrible car wrecks, misfortune stuff, bad stuff, and don't know how to change anymore. And then people say, well, you can't live that way. No, you can't, not apart from him. But in him, it's amazing that all things are possible. Life in a coma, life support, brain damage, don't know how to fall apart. That's impossible. It's impossible to actually love your wife and have children to her and have her in that situation not fall apart unless Jesus makes you different through truth. 
Yeah. And I've learned there's a big difference praying from a place of desperation and despair and a place from faith and vision and perspective. <laughs> one's full of authority and the other one's freaking out, saying all the right stuff. Wow, it's freaking out. <laughs> Reducing this book to a book of principles we quote, hoping to get help instead of an introduction into covenant and love. So the children of Israel, what were they? God's representation to the world so the people would know who He was. What they do? Made it all about them. So they get loose from Pharaoh for all the plagues. They get through the sea. God opens it up. Pharaoh's army gets swallowed. They sing a song of Moses. They get in there and now they're thirsty, complaining, hungry. Where's the milk and honey? You know? You guys know the story, right? So what they do all the time? Complain. To the point where they said, it'd be better if we just go back where we were. The place we cried out for 450 years to be set free from. Then hang out here with you in the world of the unknown. Rocks and crags and nothing alive. No, He's there. God's there. So what'd they do? Read your Bible. Numbers 21. They'd start get up in the morning. They'd come out and they'd find reasons to complain. Oh, still here. How long's it been now? Moses, you have any idea where we're going? God, what are you doing? It says they complained against Moses, against God. It says they loathed the worthless bread. You know what that means? That means the manna, they got tired of it. And what was it? It's a type and shadow of the bread to come. It was, it was Christ. It was God's plan of provision. It was the gospel on the ground. Type and shadow. So what was it in their day? God's sustaining power. God's provision in life. Guess what they did? Complained against it and called it worthless. They said, your plan of provision isn't good enough for us. That's what they said. Why? Because they looked at their surroundings and thought with their heads. and whew, It was a bad scene. And plagues came on them and all kinds of things. And my point is this. In a place of complaining, they wandered in circles and never reached the promise and never fulfilled what they were created for. Paul writes all about it in 2 Corinthians 10, you can, or 1 Corinthians 10. You can check it out. I'm sorry, it's 1 Corinthians 10. You can write, read all about it. It's the whole chapter is on the children of Israel. It says they were all under the same cloud, all under the same fire, but with many God wasn't pleased. So we hear wasn't pleased, we hear displeased. Well, he wasn't pleased. He couldn't take the heart of a father and go, wow, look at them grow, look at them believe, look at them. Just spin it. Let me flip it for you. They're coming out of their tents going, huh, same old stuff. How long have we been out here? Man, eh, what is it anyway? Right? What's so hard about coming out of your tent in the morning? Just perspective. Let me just, just throw a little perspective change out there. You're not thinking for yourself. You're thinking for the kingdom. You come out and you go, there you go, God. You're so faithful. Look at you. Every morning, your faithfulness is all over the ground. You know, I don't have a clue where we're at. I don't even know how long we've been here. I'll tell you what matters. You're here. And I know we'll always be well. And whatever you're teaching us, man, I want to learn. But I just thank you for your faithfulness. I can sleep all night in that tent knowing I'll never go hungry. Knowing I'll never freeze because your fire's over us all night. Knowing I'll never burn to death in the sun because your cloud's over us in the day. Man, you've been nothing but good. There's not a feeble among us. 
You delivered us from the hand of Pharaoh and you're teaching us mighty things. God, I so appreciate your love for us. What's so hard about that? It's just called selfless and thankfulness. That's all it is. Do you know in the New Testament it says with thanksgiving and always thanksgiving and with thanks give thanks and that phrase just constantly all through the New Testament. Do you guys know that's a New Testament phrase? Do you know why? When you fail to give thanks, you've turned inward and you've taken something personal, not the Gospel. If you can find a reason not to be thankful, you're very, very deceived in that moment. And the Bible's telling you to keep thankfulness at a very high level because it keeps you selfless. You can't have both. You guys with me? So I'm just using a couple examples where complaining is a zero. It says that God raised Jesus and gave Him the name above every name, Philippians 2. Every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, earth, heaven, under the earth, heaven, earth, under the earth. Everybody, bam, at the name of Jesus. He says, therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will and do for His good pleasure and do all things. How many things? Without grumbling and complaining. Why? So you could be seen as an innocent, harmless child in the midst of a twisted and perverted world. Who you, shining forth as a light, hold forth the word of life. You see? No complaining. See, complaining is a big trap because you're sending a message, something's still about me, even though I sing it's all about Him. Look, if my life's not my own, if I've been bought with a price and my life's not my own, then I guess complaining wouldn't be okay because my life's not my own. So if my wife's on life support, is it time to complain? Or is it time to shine? Or is it time to covet my wife? Or is it time to covet God because He's the one that gave her to me? Are you guys with me? You're all just kind of looking. Come on, be real with me. So we have these things happen. Is it time to complain? Is it time to fall apart? Is it time to get in a mystery and ask all kinds of disheartening questions? Those are time to just catch a bigger vision than life as we know it this way and know it's all taking us to that day and we're just going to keep on going this way and go after Him and keep on shining. Like if I'd stand here and tell you a list of 22 years of the things I was in the middle of and the things I've walked through, some people would go, I did it about three months ago. My son called me and said, Dad, whoa. Because he was part of that story, running wild and drugs and doing the whole nine yards. And his sister was right in the middle of it. Not that lifestyle. Another thing right at the same time. And my wife was going through the biggest challenge of life all at the same time. Then you got other things going on. And I, I was in a service. I was preaching really aggressive and zealous. And I remember walking up the middle aisle. And I don't know how it came out. But I said, so when you look at me, can you see being touched strong as a little boy? Can you see an alcoholic daddy that never said I love you? Can you see a mom sick for 40 years and dying at a young age? Can you see? And I just listed all these things that we call hardships. And the list just came. And I was like, 
I said, can you see any of that when you look at me? And they're like, no. I said, because you're not supposed to. Because none of those things matter. It's the Christian testimony, no smell of smoke. Come on. Be careful you're not lulled into religion and just believing for a better day instead of being like Him. Just believing everybody going to treat you right. That day ain't coming. <laughs> Get out of delusion. I don't even have faith for that. <laughs> for all your little ducks in a row. That is not your Christian faith. Your Christian faith is in the midst, in the midst of it all. You have the grace, the wisdom, and the vision to be like Him. That when men see your life in the midst, they get a good glimpse of who He is. Are you guys with me? Now, why would I say all this tonight? So we all run well and bear precious fruit. So them little foxes don't steal it. So we don't grow in so many things and let some little things that we haven't addressed that we say, yeah, but, well, everybody. Well, you know, we all. I hear this phrase, well, yeah, but Dan, nobody's perfect. Everybody has their moments. I'm like, no, that's why you have yours. Because you have it justified. You believe it. You're set up for it. Take away the runway, the plane can't land. Come on. What happens if the plane can't land? It'll circle long enough till it runs out of gas. It'll crash. It'll never fly again. So crash a few planes. You know what I mean? In other words, stop believing the same things that provide the platform for the same things. You know, what does that mean when Chris says, well, well, but nobody's perfect. What are you doing? You're just setting up for flaws. You're setting yourself up for less than. There's no conviction for changing areas. You're, you're covering that. That's all you're doing. You're just preparing for it, and you're guaranteeing tomorrow is always yesterday. And even though your heart's good, and you love God, and you see your need for a Savior, you're not letting grace make you what's possible. It says, above all these things put on love, it's the bond of perfection. The Bible says if you do some certain things, add to your face some few things in 2 Peter 1, that it'll make you complete and you'll never stumble. That's amazing. Watch this. If I live by the Spirit, I won't fulfill the... So stop believing we're failure waiting to happen. Wonderful sons and daughters in the making. Wonder if grace is making us something and he gets all the glory because we can't bite our lip and change, but we can believe. Wonder if I actually wake up and believe nobody owes me anything. Then I guess my days of getting heartbroken is over. Why do we have altar call after altar call to heal the brokenhearted in the church? Some of you had amazing trying weeks, some of you, and right now you just need it. People just, <gasps> and they're just everywhere. <gasps> It's messy. You have a broken-hearted altar call. Everybody's up here. And you say, yeah, but he mends the broken heart. Okay, so once it's mended, where's the scripture that says it has to keep breaking? Mending your heart is getting a new perspective where it doesn't... Why aren't we teaching people why they don't have to be broken instead of constantly having mending altar calls? 
<laughs> Seemed better to just not break. Are you guys with me? Please don't sell yourself cheap when you're not for sale with little comments and phrases. Challenge stuff in your life, please. I just had a lady call me yesterday from the West Coast. She said, Dan, I'm really listening to a lot of your stuff. I'm struggling with this and that. And all my friends keep saying, here was what she said. Ladies love me and bear with me. Well, he, that's easy for him to say because he's not a woman. And he doesn't have the same emotions a woman has. I said, that is the biggest cop-out. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. It's truth. Truth isn't a gender. Hello? It's a cop-out. You're allowing things in your life that are producing weaknesses because you've grabbed a hold of either a scientific or a psychological thing and you've identified yourself apart from him. Yeah? He made both male and female in his image. So where did all this other stuff come from? The fall of man. So let's get born again. And become what he paid for. Yay. Come on. Be happy with me. Ladies. <laughs> I've just seen a lot of good people use weak excuses and not receive grace in their life in areas to change. When that change is paid for and it'll make a big difference in the long run. Because it's what sends the best impression when you live your life changed. That's about as simple as I can bring that tonight. That's all my heart is that. If you live your life changed, it'll make a difference. If you go to church, that's not going to ever change the world. You become love, something's going to change. If we become like, we could all come here the rest of our lives and then tomorrow they're going to meet, thousands of people going to meet in church everywhere. It'll never change the world. Don't get religious on me. We're not putting in time. We're not paying homage to God. We're coming here to sharpen, to get edified, to stir one another in love and good works. Right? So make sure if you're going to church, you understand it's a meeting house. You're the church. Don't, don't go to church without becoming her. You see what I'm saying? So if your life's changed, that's going to speak. So filling churches tomorrow is not going to change the world, but becoming love will. I wonder if we go to work with different attitudes. I wonder if we start treating our relationships and our spouses with different attitudes. I wonder if we take that obligatory thing off of each other and just start saying, I love you and mean what it, understand what it means and mean it. I wonder if I love you starts coming out of our lives. I wonder if a spouse knows that they didn't do something that was thought to be done and they didn't do it well or they had a little meltdown and the spouse just responds and embraces them and holds them and doesn't show that one feather was ruffled because the truth has them so in a good place. And all of a sudden that spouse just melts and gets convicted by the goodness of God in the other spouse and the goodness of God leads to change instead of you're a Christian, you're not supposed to treat me that way. Whenever a spouse would just embrace another spouse in an unfailing love that didn't take account of a suffered wrong. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think about Jesus all the time when I preach stuff like, 
I could put words in his mouth that we've all said, and we'd all sit here and laugh, and it would sound silly putting it in his mouth, and my point is it should be silly in our mouth then, because we're made for his image. You guys with me? Yeah? So like Jesus broke bread on the night he was what? Betrayed. So what are we on the night we're betrayed? Call a friend, cry, ask for prayer, get spiritual, pray for me, I'm hurt. You know what the friends do? I can't believe they did that to you. They should have known better, and I thought you could trust them. That just shows you can't trust anybody. Wow, you must be so hurting. Let's pray. Jesus isn't even on the phone with you guys. <laughs> like you're in delusion. Like he's not on the phone with you guys. You're like you're, you're sympathizing. You're keeping them the same. You're giving them permission to be a mess. You're, you're responding to them like you know you'd feel if you were them. Did you ever notice this? People that are hurt attract to people that are hurt. So they sit and talk about their pain, lick each other's wounds, nobody ever gets healed. You say, Dan, that's insensitive. No, I'm being honest. I'm trying to call this thing. The last person you need to sit and confide in is somebody that understands your pain and would be hurt like you. That doesn't mean you don't understand that they left their heart get hurt. That doesn't mean you don't care. I've sat with people that husbands and wives left each other and I'll sit there and cry and hold them and cry and wish it didn't happen because now they got to walk through some things. But I won't cry very long. Just enough to know that you know that I care. But I, and it's not a joke. 20, 30 seconds, a long time to get me to cry in a situation like that for you because you already got the point. I wish this didn't happen, but it did, so let's go back to square one. So now what? You trashed, you crushed, you just broken covenant in, you just another hurting person? No. I talk to everybody the same in those situations. I've been called into quite a few of them over the years. Husband's in the middle of a mess and the wife's standing there bawling and vice versa. So what do you do? You tell people who they are apart from what their spouse is choosing. So they don't become a product of their spouse and then go to church and sing Jesus is Lord when they're letting their spouse dictate their life, disposition, and productivity. Yeah? <laughs> See, my wife didn't do good for six years. Like, didn't do good at all. Like, wouldn't even go to church. And I was a pastor for six years. Just wrong thinking. She sees it now. Every once in a great while, tries to challenge her to make her think, boy, that was really bad. And I just talk her out of that and laugh. People say, six years? That's a long time. I say, truth doesn't know time. See, that's another example. See, in those six years, I wasn't calling Roy. Well, I didn't know him then. But I wasn't calling anybody like Roy in my life and saying, Roy, you got to pray for me, man. If she don't change soon, I can't bear up. I don't know how long a guy's supposed to take this. Man, if God doesn't do something soon and doesn't make this change, I don't know how I can. Throw that language away because it has nothing to do with truth. Yes, you can, because you didn't wake up for you today. If I don't wake up for my wife to do me right, then she can't do me wrong. But if I wake up to love her, this thing's on. So for six years, all I could do was love her in the midst of a lie. 
Listen, man, she needed Jesus more than ever, right? He lives in me. Now's not the time to be a frustrated husband. Singing all these amazing spiritual songs and then letting one wife determine who I am and how I am. Now it's time to love her. Yeah, but when's enough enough, Dan? Ask God that question. He never pulled that plug on you. Well, how much am I supposed to take? Probably ought to ask God that question. See, you have to understand the mentality that we grew up with and that question that we asked did not come from Him. It came from us. The way that seems right. And that's the problem with it. It seems right. Ain't that something? The way that Seems right to a man, always leads to death. The problem is it seems right, so you get a lot of takers. Because it seems right. So I'm not talking to a room of evil people, I'm not talking to a room of hypocrites. Are you kidding me? I'm actually talking like this because I believe you're mature enough to listen and say, you know what? This far from offends me, this inspires me, I can shine, I can live like Jesus, my attitude can be exemplary. And I can let him be the determining factor of who I am and why I am. Yeah. Or you're going to sell so cheap and so shallow, you're going to let one situation dictate a day, a week, a year. Are you kidding me? Don't do that. Come on. I've learned in my life, I'm sure you've learned if we get honest, opinions and attitudes are a dime a dozen. doesn't make you special to have one. <laughs> one of the traps with social media is everybody can just throw out their opinion at no cost. And there's a false sense of boldness, a false sense of identity, a false sense of connectivity. Just be real careful with that arena if you don't know who you are. Yeah? Here's the coolest thing about knowing Jesus. Nobody can take that from you. They make people so mad they might want to kill you. But, <laughs> but you can't take the peace out of my heart. You can't keep me from hearing his voice tonight. There's no person on the earth that can keep me from having a relationship with him. You can't. It's too late. <laughs> Did you get it? That's what you want more than anything. And then you live from that place. Amen? Wow. Glad I got that out. I felt like I talked about these things because you can handle it. I felt like you're in a place to hear it and want it. And do justice to your homes and your marriages and your siblings and your parents and your children. Listen, this isn't condemning. I say it a lot. Please be challenged by it, not condemned. We can go to church and fail to live Christ-like. And then all we're teaching the people in our family, especially if they're kids, is church attendance is Christianity instead of Christ-like. So you say, Dan, that makes it so hard. wonder if I fail. If you fail, you show them what the beauty of sincere repentance looks like. And you be honest and take accountability for your life and you let Holy Spirit cause you to grow. And you let them see and acknowledge change. And they'll realize the maturity and the wisdom and that'll be awesome and that'll be just as attractive. You can say, yeah, but I already blew it at work. You only blew it if you don't get up and start living like Jesus. You said, yeah, but you don't understand. I've worked there for six months. I've been just like a regular employee. They don't even probably know I go to church. 
So that's okay. So start right now. Live in Jesus. And let the next four months be so awesome they forget the last six. Yeah? Come on. You should have saw that when I worked at work and was living the way I was living. They were throwing everything in my face I ever did. They were reminding me of all the stuff I ate because I worked in a grocery food warehouse. We were bad boys, man. Power outage. We ran to the crab meat section. It was so silly, man. The power had come back on and we all smelled like crab meat and there was empty cans just everywhere. And we all smelled like crab meat. We knew our way to the crab rack in the dark. Like you could just, we were like blind men that knew in the dark. It was, we just knew how to get to the crab rack. And we'd bump into each other there. Lights, power outage, storm, poof, crab meat. We'd just eat cans of crab meat. It wasn't ours, we were stealing. It was the company we worked for. We just, just gorged a whole pound till, before the lights come on. And you smeared up with crab meat. And then the lights would come on, your boss would come around and say, man, you guys smell like seafood. What? No. Somebody was in the crab, though. <laughs> it's messed up. Man. You know what I did when I got saved? I went to the head man and I figured up the amount. I, came, I don't know how I came up with $700, but I came up with $700 and I took him $700 and confessed pilferaging and stealing in my former life and then I'm born again and I'll be the best employee I know how to be from now on. And if you feel like you need to fire me for the confession, then so be it. But I want to be honest. I don't want to live under a lie. But I've probably eaten about this much goods out of your aisles in the years I've worked here. And I'd like to reimburse you for that. He was so overwhelmed by honesty. He said, keep his 700, just be the best employee you can. I said, oh, I will, sir. And I became the best employee I could be. Yeah. When I left there, they held a floor meeting and acknowledged my last day and gave a public testimony of my life from the supervisor's perspective to my whole work crew. That's pretty awesome. There was people healed, people touched. There was 11 guys came out of the woodwork that you didn't even know went to church that confessed to be Christians and their lives began to change. It was really fun. Live in Jesus. I'd sure beat it eating crab meat and feeling guilty later. I smelled better too. I had the fragrance of Christ instead of seafood. I was a bad man, man. Like, we would drive these equipment. Have you ever in a warehouse, these big aisles and racks? I was pretty agile. I would climb to the very top of the rack. It was 40-foot ceilings. So I would jump from rack to rack. If I slipped one time, dead. I'd jump the whole way across and get above a selector that had a piece of equipment with a hood on it. And I'd take a heavy case of something, canned soup or something, from the top. As soon as I'd drop it, I'd start jumping the other way. And I'd go back to my spot, climb down and be working. Boom! And then you're always hearing these stories. Man, it's good we have these racks. Stuff just slips out of the rack. You never know when something might fall. That was me. I was up there doing that stuff. If I'd have slipped one time, I'd been dead, man. But I was having so much fun, I'm risking my life to drop a case on somebody's head. 
because it would hit the rack and freak them out. Like they'd be on a cherry picker machine and they'd hit the floor. I took a big box of chicken breasts one time. It was 40 pounds. I was as high as the ceiling. Boom! And then I go, boing, boing, boing. So I confessed to all that horseplay and became changed. So in the beginning, because my coworkers, it makes people uncomfortable when you change. Because they, they, feel, they feel bothered by it because they don't feel as comfortable. Like if you're just like them, nobody has a problem. But if you start living different, then they're like, well, what's up with that? They would call me brainwashed, mesmerized, in a cult. That's the big common phrase, cult. Okay. Sect. <laughs> and, uh, and in time, they quit doing that. But for the first three, four months, all they did was bring up every bad thing I ever did. Now, there's a reason they're doing that because they're uncomfortable with my change. Two and a half years later, we got this thing still going on. And there wasn't nothing they could say, was it? Two years later, one of the main guys come through a marketplace. I'm still sitting in the booth. Two years later, praying for the sick and people in the market on my Saturday. Why? It's not my Saturday. Yay. He said, what are you doing? I said, praying for people. What? He said, you must really believe this. I said, if you don't know that by now, friend. (laughs) Our lives can make a difference, amen? Please guard your hearts, will you? Out of your heart. Not your neighbor's heart, out of your heart. Where your concern flows the issues of life. Please don't let your heart be for sale. Don't let it be up for grabs. Don't think you're in control. Don't just have a right to have a right, please. If it's not producing life, it's not the Lord. I say, how can we deny ourselves and have so many rights? I've been in some counseling sessions that really puzzled me over the years. I'm like, okay. I mean, I get what you're trying to say, but aren't we born again? (laughs) Like, it's pretty hard for me to counsel anymore. I'm like, married couple comes in, they're mad at each other. I'm like, are you guys saved? (laughs) Like, well, yeah, we come to your church. Well, that doesn't make you saved. (laughs) Christ-like makes you saved. Ain't nothing that looks like Christ in your life right now. I'm just wondering. (laughs) Well, he said, well, she said... Well, she shouldn't have. Well, he shouldn't have. I don't do well in those anymore. I'm like, what are you doing to each other? Come on. You'll learn on the day you die is when you're really free. You wake up and nobody owes you anything. Life is fun. When you start seeing the value of the people around you, whether they're mad or not, some of the meanest people are the people you'll attract to the most. I could tell you a lot of fun stories. Some of the worst ones at work, some of the main culprits are the ones God ends up, you touch them the most. It's just amazing how he sets it up. 
But if you don't have that change, you'll project on them. They're the one you'll avoid. They're mean. God knock them off their high horse. Yeah? And you're praying, for, you're focused praying for them to change instead of you becoming like Jesus? That's a trap. So guard your own heart, okay? Out of your heart flows the issues of life. Guys, there's a lot of good churches around here, I'm sure. I'm familiar with this one. And the number of faces I'm looking at can make such a dynamic difference in this community because we all have a sphere of influence. And I'm not just talking about somebody getting miraculously healed. I'm talking about you walking in love and being free and having the disposition of Jesus. Please guard your heart from those little foxes, will you? You get an idea of what they are? Complaining? Disgruntlement, disappointment, discouragement. Holding people in rightness. Well, they shouldn't. Uh, it's never about that. It's not the conversation from heaven. Right? While we were yet sinners, what did he do? Sent his son. So why don't you be like him? Amen? A little different tonight. It was actually a lot of different to me. Way different. But I feel right, I feel, I feel calculated in what I'm saying, that it's important. So, here's how we respond to that. Tonight when you go home, you find a lone place. An alone place. Talk to the Lord about these things. And just commit yourself in prayer and say, you know what? I can't strive, I can't try to be like you, but I am so ready. And here's stuff I pray. And Holy Spirit, and if any way, I'm selling cheap with natural wisdom in any way. I'm being what? Outside of what you pay for me to be, let me know it. Show me, redirect me, and bring it to my attention because I so want who you are in my life. And I'm promising you he'll father that, okay? And he'll help you in that. If you feel like you're just having a frustration problem, man, don't try to get that the person you're getting frustrated with to change, that's not the answer. It's you seeing them through Jesus' eyes. That's the best answer. And you getting alone and saying, you know what, I just put off this frustration. Man, I'm letting so-and-so dictate who I am and how I am. i got expectations set on them. I'm feeling like because of their position, they shouldn't act that way or talk to me that way or treat me that way. God forbid, this ain't a talk show. This is the kingdom of God. Yeah? You guys good? Okay, pray about these things and let's walk this out because I believe our lives can make a difference. And uh, I think people know me by now. I've, I've preached enough years and I've poured my heart in so many ways that I'm never talking just about myself. I just use them as a lot of examples because it's what I have, they're mine. So I hope you guys understand that when I use examples. I'm not preaching myself. I'm preaching examples of a life changed. And Christ in me, Amen. And uh, this is fun to be changed. Let me pray something over you, and then we're going to pray for the sick. Is that okay? Because I feel like I'm done. I feel like I said, definitely said plenty. You all get something out of this? Amen. Challenge you a little bit? Stir you a little? It's a little different for me. I just felt different. But uh, I feel right. So, Father, we just, we just yield to you and we just ask you to continue to work grace in our life and continue to form us and fashion us to be more like Christ.
Father, I don't, I don't believe we just want a doctrinal belief, a theological view. We want the power of a new creation, a transformed life to be effective in all of us. So, Father, keep raising up an army and let us all begin to look more and more like you. Let our attitudes, let our perspectives, let our motives be so fine-tuned and so pure. And in anything else, God, let it be exposed. And I would ask that you'd come and father us individually, one by one, right where we're at, right in that trying place, and continue to form Christ in us. Man, we don't just want to sing good to you. We want to look good to others. Let our lives matter, Lord. Let them be what you paid for. Man, you paid for it. Have your way. You guys agree with that? Just have your way, God. So we just give up the right to have attitudes that are detrimental, judgments, Anything outside of love, we don't want it, God. And we're asking you to fashion us and form us and make us more and more like you. I'm not having an altar call for this, but I've been saying it for the last couple months and it's in my heart now. Suicide is the biggest lie, in my opinion, a human life can get caught up in. It's, it's an ultimate deception of, it's just the ultimate expression of deception. And here's why I say that. Not just because a life gets killed. Because somebody gets so deceived that they think they have the right to take something that's not even theirs. See, people say, well, it's my life. It never was your life. It's always his life in you. From the beginning, it was his life in you. He never made man apart from him. You know how the world says, well, it's my life. Well, I'll do with it. Well, you know how the big disputes on abortion and the whole nine yards is all the, oh, your human rights. Well, I guess if you want to stay human, have your rights. If you want Christ in you, you got to give them up. See, when a person commits suicide, what they're doing is they're taking his life in them. So I don't know why I'm saying that tonight, but I'm telling you it's the biggest lie on the planet. Somebody getting so self-centered and self-willed that they think they have the right to take something that's not even theirs. Because when you take your own life, you're actually taking His life in you, your destiny, your purpose, and your potential. And I'm telling you, that lie that's making you think it's worth it is in fact a lie. You're worth the blood of Jesus. So if there's one person in here that's helping, that just feels valueless and feels that lie of suicide and that thing's going around in your head, and let it be exposed forevermore. And don't ever give yourself a right to take something that's not yours. It's His life in you. Amen? So He never made us for ourselves, so living for ourselves is a lie.